As I give some intro here, I'd like you to open up to Matthew chapter 7 and just leave your Bible open there. Matthew chapter 7, we'll be spending most of our time in that chapter this morning, verses 15 through 27. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Father, we ask that you will open our, our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to what you have to say to us today. Lord, that you would have your will in us. And Father, I pray that you will lead me and you will guide me as I share these thoughts that you have given me. Father, I pray that anything that, is, that remains that is of me, Lord, I pray that you will get rid of it. And Father, that we would hear only from you, from the word of God and from your spirit. And that you would have your way in each of us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've had quite the week, haven't we? This has been a a week and a year like no other. Crisis after crisis after storm after storm. You know, our Lord has told us that in this world you will, will have tribulation, that you will be crushed. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said this, Now note, Jesus said this in John 16. He said it before the cross. He said, I have overcome the world. He said that before the cross. And he said that to his disciples. And so he endured the cross. He paid the price. He suffered and died and rose again so that you and I could be overcomers with him and through him. So this sermon this morning is entitled, The Rock and the Storm. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 27, and Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. So our first passage this morning is Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 27. Jesus says there, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. But every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built 
his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So we'll be spending the majority of our time today in verses 24 and 27. But I think it's important for us to see the context to which Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is teaching his listeners at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. He's teaching them that the false prophets are going to come. But you'll be able to know that they are false by what they produce. By the results of their ministry. And the attitudes and the actions that are produced by their life. But not everyone who claims to be a Christian or claims to act in Christ's name is really his. We aren't Christians because we say religious things. Jesus says here, even miracles and exorcisms and mighty works don't make us his. Those things aren't enough to save the false prophets. And they aren't enough to save us. They aren't enough to save anyone. Those things don't get us into the kingdom. So what does? Jesus says, the one who does the will of my Father. And we also see in John 6, chapter 40, Jesus says, for this is the will of the Father. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus is wrapping His thoughts together for us. You can tell a false prophet by what they do. By their heart. By their attitude. By the fruit of their ministry. You'll be able to discern the false and the true prophets by the fruit of the Spirit. Or the lack. Of that fruit. By good fruit. And bad. Galatians 5 teaches us. The fruit of the spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. So claiming to act in Jesus name. Even miracles. And mighty works. Even religion. And religious deeds. Those are not the fruit of the spirit. They are not evidence of being in Christ. But our Lord wants to make it clear to us that real faith, doing the will of the Father by trusting in the Son, real faith, the work of God in us, Jesus in us, produces the fruit of the Spirit and the work of God in the believer. And so he continues on in this parable of the wise and foolish builders. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, who trusts in me for salvation, who follows me, who submits to my lordship in their life and allows the Holy Spirit to lead them moment by moment. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is speaking to the idea of the evidence of our faith. It applies to those who do not know him, the false prophets, 
And it applies to those who do know him. The evidence of your faith is seen by how you live, by what you do. The assurance of your faith is seen in how you live. Evidence and assurance and victory are all wrapped up together. Sometimes as Christians, we just want the victory. We just want success. We just want the comfort. But you don't understand that obedience and comfort and victory are wrapped up together. Our Lord wants His church to live in assurance and in victory. And those come from walking with Christ so closely that He, now now let's get this right, He fills our life with the evidence of His Spirit. And that comes forth in the life of the true Christian by how we live. We can't help for it to come forth because God is alive in us. And he is living his life out through us. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 says, This is how we know we are his. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk or ought to walk or will walk as Jesus did. This is how we know. We know we are His by the fruit, the evidence, the witness that shows we belong to Christ. It is that the Christian walks as Jesus did. That we hear and we do. That we put into practice the words of Christ in our lives. Don't mistake this for religious works of the false prophets. The loving works that come from us will manifest in everyone who truly knows Christ. It's going to come out from us. But those works are not what win us salvation. And they're not just a a result of us buckling down and working real hard and, and willing ourselves into obedience. That's not how it happens. The Holy Spirit gives the believer obedience. And the loving works will come from Him in us. They are manifestations of our faith. They are His life being lived out in us. Such a basic truth of Christianity that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And you know what? Just let's think about that for a second. If Christ is in us, if Christ is truly alive in us, then He's going to live out His life through ours. And if Christ is living out His life through ours, Ours ought to look like Christ's life. That is the assurance and evidence that we have been born again. That we are not our own. That we have been bought with a price. We are truly His. When we are truly His, the very life of God lives in us. His life alive in us, bearing good fruit for His kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit shows us to ourselves and to the world that we are His children. We, who are His, will, with ever-increasing grace, hear and do the words of Christ. 
We who are in the family will bear the family resemblance. This is our assurance. This is the evidence of God in us. And these next verses show the result. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Oh, how I have seen the evidence of this in the church universal. How God has shown his word to be true. Those who allow the life of Christ to be manifest in them by the Holy Spirit, those who have their own lives and hearts and minds conformed to the image of Jesus, those who hear and do all the words of the Lord. It is those who stand unshaken by the storm. Their faith unmoved. Their love unwavering. Their joy unstolen. Their peace unexplainable. While houses fall all around, fall to worldliness or idolatry or sorrow, these ones who simply listen and hear and obey these ones, even unto death, waver not. I want you to think about that steady Christian that you know. Think about those whom you know have faced storms and remain unshaken. Remain lovers of God and lovers of man. These unshaken ones always have a simple but real faith. They listen to Jesus. They take him at his word and they do what he says. But what about when we don't? When we don't hear and do. We might hear the words of Christ and brush them off as the words of man. I don't I don't like that sermon. I don't like that speaker. I don't like that message, so I'm going to choose not to hear. I'm going to hear, but I'm not going to listen. Or we may hear and refuse to do. We know God wants us to forgive. We know God wants us to love. We know God wants us to show grace and peace. And we know we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. But for whatever reason, we just don't. We chalk it up to our sinful nature. And we don't rely on the Holy Spirit of God within us to do it. We don't do the words of Jesus. So what then? Well, according to John 2, 5 and 6, this is how we know, like I said, this is how we know we are His. Everyone who claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. If we don't walk, if we make a habit of not walking with the Lord, if we don't walk as Jesus did, it doesn't necessarily mean that we aren't His, but it means that from time to time, we're not sure. It means that assurance is missing. Without hearing and doing, without walking, without the manifestation of the life of Christ being lived out in the one who claims to believe, there is no assurance. If we come to Christ at a young age and no change happens... Of course we're going to doubt.
Beloved, God desires us to be sure. To be able to point at our heart and our minds and our lives and our attitudes and our love and say, praise God, I see his hand at work in me. I see him loving those who hate me through me. I see him serving those who would betray me through me. I see him giving through me when I have nothing left left to give. I see the Spirit of God working because I know that what he's doing through me is something that I am not capable of. I see him changing me and making me open to being changed. Our Father longs for his children to never leave his side. To walk in obedience and thus in fellowship with him. To have assurance that we have been bought by the blood of Christ. Adopted into the family of God. To have that assurance because Christ is obviously alive and at work and in us and through us. That, Jesus says, is what separates the wise and foolish builders. Those who stand firm in the storm... And those who do not. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Crisis has its various effects on the Christian. Either we are drawn closer to our God, or we allow crisis to push us, push us away from our God. We either walk in the midst of crisis, in the storm, in the same way we walk in the midst of the calm, moment by moment with Jesus. Allowing God to use those circumstances to teach us and refine us. Or we shake our fists at heaven and rail at the world because the, when the storm comes, we find our victory, our joy, our peace. We find our life When the storm comes, we find it all washing away with the tide. Crisis can be used to refine and to strengthen, or it can be used to defeat. But one thing crisis always does is reveal. Crisis always shows us who we are and what we truly are really are standing on. You see, when the storm comes, the one who lives for Jesus, who hears and does, for them it may be more difficult, but for the one who hears and does, that storm is familiar territory. For the one who hears and does, even in good times, takes up their cross. Those who hear and do stand in the midst of of a world that is not like their Jesus. For those who hear and do, the storm doesn't change anything that's vital. Because those who hear and do know that nothing compares to Christ. And those who hear and do are never satisfied with the calm. Those who hear and do are always being called into some sort of storm Because they walk with the one who walks on the crashing waves. They walk with the one 
who is in the business of bringing light to a dark world. To bring hopeless, hope to hopelessness. And love to hate. For those who hear and do, the storm is just a storm. Beloved, in the time of crisis, what is revealed in you? In this time of crisis, of storms in our nation, what has been revealed about you? When the winds whip at our houses, what do they reveal? We need to be asking the questions. Has the storm shaken me? Where are my feet planted? Where is my foundation built? Has my dependence on sandy things been revealed? Has the storm really revealed that my foundation is really no foundation at all? Has the storm revealed that I hear the words of Christ, but I don't really do them? Or have I been unmoved? Have I been uncontrolled by the storm? Have I been unshaken because I'm about my father's business? Has the storm simply washed away the beach to display the bedrock upon which I am founded? What has been revealed? Beloved, if this crisis in our nation or some other personal crisis has overly occupied our mind and stolen our happiness if our world seems to be collapsing, if we find ourselves disillusioned and discouraged, our faith wounded, our relationships suffering, our very sense of identity and purpose wavering, if we find our house collapsing, the collapse is not because of the storm. It's because the lack of foundation of hearing and doing. God is mightier than any storm. And we must not, we cannot, point to a storm as the cause of our defeat. Rather, our wavering, our collapse, comes when we, in some measure, have built at least part of our house on sand. We've all been there, haven't we? Disillusion and defeat comes when we hear the words of God, but we fail to do them. Defeat comes when we are weak in the face of temptation and give in to sin. Defeat comes when we hear the difficult teaching and the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we choose the easy way. We refuse to align our thinking and our feeling with the Word of God and the example of Christ. That's when defeat comes. Defeat comes when we refuse to love or to forgive. Defeat comes and our houses crash when we hold tightly the worldly ways and neglect the ways of God. These are daily struggles that we all face. And I want to reiterate with you, beloved, the difference between the wise and the foolish builders here is not simply a matter of salvation. Now that might apply, but that's not really what's going on right here, okay? The difference is a matter of victory. On the one hand, you have a Christian, you have a person who stands on the rock regardless of what comes their way. On the other, you have a person who may indeed be a Christian but is washed to and fro by the tides and the storms of the world. These are those Christians 
for whom Jesus is their Savior, and they call him Lord, but in reality, in one area of their life or another, they have not, not submitted to his lordship. When the storm comes, what does it reveal? Does our entire life collapse? There are areas in our life, are there areas in our life that simply fall apart? What is our foundation? Beloved, are we asking, are we striving simply to hear our Father say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do we have more pressing concerns? I want to close with Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Listen to that. Pay attention to that. Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And he was, and leaving the crowd, he, they, took them, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern. That's the back of the boat, I think. <laughs> Asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're dying here. We're about to die, Lord. And you're sleeping. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. They went from fear to great fear. And said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? We feel like those disciples from time to time, don't we? Where are you, Jesus? I know you're here with me. Wake up! You said we were going to the other side. But I don't know about that. Because I'm about to die. I have trouble trusting your promise because I'm in the midst of a storm. So how could Jesus sleep at a time like that? He could sleep because he knew in every fiber of his being that his father never sleeps. His father owns the boat. He owns the wind. He owns the waves. He could rest because he was in God's hand and he knew it. And so Jesus stands and speaks to the storm and it stills. You see, Jesus was Lord of the storm before he spoke to it. That storm was subject to him before it came upon the boat, before it frightened the, sub, before it frightened the disciples. That storm was subject to Jesus. And if the disciples learned anything from this encounter, it was that Jesus is Lord over the storm. 
There is no storm that will come into our lives that God is unaware of. He may not cause every storm, but in the midst of them all, He is Lord. And make no mistakes, storms will come. And even with Jesus in our boat, even with Jesus as the foundation of our house, even with Jesus as the true Lord of our lives, storms will come. And storms will always reveal. Beloved, is my prayer for you in this and me this morning that when the storms come, that we will pay attention to what is revealed. That we will remember that if we are His, He is in the storm with us. And He is not surprised or caught unaware. That should we find ourselves tossing to and fro by the waves, should we find our security washing away like sand in a tide, that we will call out to our Savior once again, that we might set our foot on the solid rock of hearing His words and doing them, that we might come to the place of assurance, unshaken by any storm, knowing that we know, that we know, that we know that we are His because His life is being manifest through us. And if you are not there today, our Father longs for you to know His peace and power and strength. And it is not His will that the storm has its way with you. Christian, if the storm has had its way with you, it is not the foundation that has moved. It's you. Your Father wants you to have victory, to experience victory, to have assurance that you are His, even in the midst of your darkest hour, especially in the midst of your darkest hour. Your Father wants to live in such a way that when the storm brings the world to its knees, that every house around you, not built on on solid rock, comes crashing down, that your house stands unmoved, because rain or shine, storm or clear weather, you follow Christ. That in the end, He is all that matters, and let the world come against us. Let our entire world, our livelihood, our health, everything fall away. Jesus will never fall away. And so why invest us, who is so precious in the eyes of God, why invest you into anything but Him? He bought you by His blood because that's what you are worth in His eyes. It is not His will for you to be wavering to and fro, to be tossed about by the storm, but to be an overcomer through Christ. He longs for you by His grace to build your life on the unshakable rock of hearing the words of Christ and doing them. Doing what He says. So today, if you've never trusted in Christ, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. This very day, you can move from defeat to victory. 
from death to life. Jesus has done the work. He has paid the price for you to be adopted into the family of God. And this very day, he is calling you to come. And during our time of prayer in just a moment, you'll have the opportunity to come to Jesus. And brother and sister in Christ, who've already trusted in him, who've already said, Lord, I receive what you've paid for me to receive. Trust in you because I know I can't do it on my own. But you find yourself wavering. We're going to pray in just a moment. Your Father wants you to be an overcomer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that You have a life for us. That you desire to be found only in you. You have a life for us full of victory and power and peace that passes understanding. You have a life for us in you that brings us back to why you made us in the first place. Fellowship with God through Christ. You made us for yourself. Lord, bring us to the place where we desire that for ourselves. And Father, for our brother and sister in Christ, we simply pray, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for having our eyes set on anything but Jesus. Forgive us for hearing your words and not doing them. Forgive us for allowing our own will, our own way to lead us. And Father, bring us to the place where we are standing on solid rock where we hear the words of Christ and by his spirit, we do them. And Father, for those who don't know you, who may be listening or they might be here, Lord, I pray, I pray, Father, that even now you will speak to their heart and call them home to you. That they might say to you, Lord Jesus, thank you for the price you paid for my life. Thank you for the price you paid for my eternal life with you. The price you paid to adopt me into your family. I know there's nothing I can do to deserve that. But that you have already done all that was needed by the shedding of your blood. By rising again in power and victory to give me new life. And so I come to you and I rely upon you and I place my life in your hands. I'm yours now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we ask all these things in the name of your Son. May his life live through us today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.